This show is proudly sponsored by Coinspot.com.au, with the largest range of cryptocurrencies anywhere in the Australian market. With an updated verification process, you can now be verified using only your driver's license or passport within seconds. You can instantly deposit funds and instantly start buying and selling your favorite cryptocurrencies in under five minutes. Coinspot are giving away $10 worth of free Bitcoin for each verified user once they make their first deposit. Just go to coinspot.com.au forward slash BTC123. The Trader Cobb Crypto Show, talking business in blockchain. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TraderCobb Crypto Show. Today's guest comes from a background that is quite, well, quite illustrious. You've done a great deal of stuff. That my guest is Robert Chu, and he is the founder of Emblema. Thank you so much for being on the show, Robert. Hi, TraderCobb. Well, thanks for having me. No, no problem at all. Hey, look, you, I've had a look through your LinkedIn and what you've, you know, your past experience. I mean, you've you've sort of been working in and around technology for quite some time, most notably uh, quite a, a large stint at IBM. So, I mean, just to touch on uh, your introduction, you want to tell us a little bit about what you've done in the past, where you're at now? Sure, absolutely. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's a little bit of a unusual uh, pattern mm. from, uh, you know, a corporate guy coming into a blockchain startup. Um, but nevertheless, uh, let me tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, I did spend 16 years with IBM in various technology and software development jobs uh, in Europe and the States. And then uh, the past 10 years, I was with this company called IQVIA, uh, which is the world leader in healthcare data and all kind of services from clinical trials to uh, post-market uh, studies for pharmaceutical companies and uh, regulators such as the FDA. And uh, my last position at this company was the uh, global head of technology solutions. So we had three activities in the company, uh, one with healthcare data, which was the historical activity. The second was services uh, consulting. And the third one was to develop uh, uh, technology and software solutions for pharmaceutical companies and uh, and regulators. Okay, so you've been... uh... You've been around. You've done a lot. And what sort of roles did you have at these uh, these companies? Like, what was your focus there? Oh, sure. Yeah. So, um, uh, before being the uh, global head of technology, uh, I had the great pleasure to uh, to manage the Asia Pacific region uh, out of uh, out of China. That was a fun job. Uh, was twenty countries, you know, under my remit. And um, I also uh, had a chance to go to France, uh, where I was the general manager for uh, IQVIA in two thousand eleven. And it's great because it uh, provides you, uh, you know, insights on the different health systems, which uh, varies country, uh, country to country, and also meet meet a lot of great people, you know, in pharmaceutical companies. Um, so it was fun to, you know, to get kind of get around in different countries and try to adapt, right? What kind of health data you can collect and sell in those different markets. And I mean, you're in uh, you're in based in New York at the moment, right? New York, New York. Correct. Okay, so I mean, giving given your understanding, obviously you you spent time in China, and I'm sure that that is changing very very quickly as a new emerging economy is sort of a new middle class is being built out. There's probably a lot going on in that space very very quickly as China tends to be a country that moves very very fast. Comparing where you are now in New York in the health system in the US, which definitely captures headlines all around the world, where a lot of the other countries, especially for us in Australia, we scratch our heads and go. 
right, why do they not have some form of health care? Why do they think that it's, you know, only the rich should have access to health? I mean, you've seen in, I mean, I lived in, in the UK, in London as well, the, the, um, the uh, NHS, I think it is, the, the health service there is fantastic. The one in Australia we've got is fantastic. I think France has got one there as well. And does China like, – how, how does it differ so much and what are the opinions of the people? Well, yeah, well, that's a, that's almost like a you know, philosophical um, difference. Uh, you know, in countries in – most countries in Europe and different Australia, if you pay taxes, then you get health care coverage. It's pretty much, uh, you know, yeah. part of the deal, right? citizen of those countries or at least residents in the u.s it's different it's a business and uh you know you gotta have a contract which is an insurance contract and uh, if you don't have it then you're not covered which uh, you know for europeans yes is uh, is a little shocking you know it uh, it doesn't really make sense uh and the funny thing is that in the u.s the system is highly inefficient uh, you know the gdp spent on healthcare and the quality of care is not great is like 17 percent or something that's not very, you know, good <laughs> from a patient perspective. And when you go to countries to Australia or, or European with better quality of care, you know, it's uh, high single digits. So you can see there's a lot of inefficiencies. And I think blockchain, you know, um, could definitely help uh, streamline a little bit all these processes, which become extremely complicated when uh, when it's kind of very, you know, uh, it's a private business. It's not uh, it's not heavily regulated in the sense of uh, who are the payers and what is the coverage and you got a lot of inefficiencies out there in the U.S. Yeah, fair enough. So, I mean, is, is that going to be? I mean, with with looking at what goes on to the, you know, how we're going to use health records and and the blockchain together. Is, I mean, is that more about the sale of data, or is it more about the efficiency, the avail- ability to share data across borders? I mean, what's the what's the benefit there truly? Sure. Sure. What we're um, what we're um, doing here is to make sure that we we can exchange health data much um, in a much easier way and much faster. And uh, you know, health data is like the is like the fuel, you know, the whole system. So let me give you an example. If we manage to, uh, for example, in a rare disease, provide health data, which is de-identified patient records. Uh, to the regulator, then the regulator can um, authorize new treatments uh, more um, sooner. Uh, this is part of the 21st Century's Cure Act. And by doing so, you know, you have a conjunction of interest here between um, public authorities. So if you have, you know, uh, new treatments coming in for public health, it's good. It's obviously better for the patients and rare diseases. And some of these guys are have a lot of unmet medical needs. So it's great to have new treatments. And it's great for pharmaceutical companies to uh, generate uh, revenues sooner. And the way you do it is definitely by accelerating the share of um, healthcare data. And it's called real-world evidence or clinical you know, evidence. Uh, and that's exactly what we're doing using blockchain technology, putting the patient actually in charge of uh, accelerating the share, of controlling the share, and also getting the uh, financial benefit out of it. Uh, because today, the reality is this is a very slow-moving sharing, you know, uh, different standards, and you have a lot of uh, intermediaries, you know, that uh, that clean up the data, you know, uh, gather patient consent. And the whole process, you know, to uh, gather um, a, a good set of data takes one year. And this is much too slow, you know, <laughs> by all standards in 21st century, for sure. And by giving the power back to patient, collect the data, they would expose it in real time pretty much. You can, you can make it available to pharmaceutical companies 
and uh, authorities like FDA and therefore release treatments, you know, much sooner. So that's what we're aiming at. Okay. Now you mentioned that um, the control lies with the um, the data participant or holder, or basically, if it's my data, it's it's owned by me, and, and I can earn money from that. What what sort of a revenue model does that look like? I mean. Is it going to be twenty cents? Is it going to be twenty dollars? Is it going to be two hundred dollars? Is it going to be two thousand dollars? But what does that look like? And how do we how do we sort of monetize that with an understanding of what what our outcomes are going to be? So that's the first question. So how much is my health data worth? Uh, yeah. I think some very simple answers. Uh, the latest one is um, a Swiss pharmaceutical company called Roche. Uh, they're very much into oncology. They bought a company called Flatiron out of New York City. And what is Flatiron? These are medical records and oncology patient, cancer patients. And they bought this company for $1.9 billion, which put which puts the value of a patient record at $10,000. This is what it's worth. So it's not 20 cents, not $200. It's in thousands of dollars for most therapies today. So it's a lot of money. And the funny thing is that today, the patient, while at the source right, of all this data, doesn't see one cent. So we got to, you know, twist the whole model <laughs> around mm-hmm. its head and, uh, you know, give the patients $9,990, right? Because there's no reason why they don't receive the compensation using technologies such as blockchain and perhaps, you know, give a few a few dollars, you know, for doctors, you know, who can do the quality check on the records. Uh, this is, of course, very helpful. And then, you know, people who will mine the blockchain on which the data is being shared, uh, give them a transaction fee. So I think we can literally, you know, turn 99% of the value back to the patient. But I mean, that, that's fairly specific data, that one. I mean, that, that's for cancer patients, right? So if, if, if it's not, if you've not suffered something that's, um, I, I guess the, the cost of it or the price of your data, that, that's an example of obviously people want to find a cure for cancer or find a way to help people with cancer and they can then put a big premium on that uh, breakthrough on that drug, on that technology, whatever it is that they find that helps to prolong a cancer patient's life or terminate that cancer altogether and give someone the chance to have a second shot at life. That's worth big right. bucks. So I, I get why those records are worth a lot. But what about little old me who who has, you know, I, I've just got the tests that I've had throughout my life that are all in one place or maybe they're not all in one place, but, you know, the, the bits and pieces. How can – because you're not, you're not talking like – t- I'm talking about the average person. The average person might get cancer, but they're going to get it in their 60s, 70s, 80s. They're not going to have it in their, say, mid-30s, early 40s where they could actually really use that money to do something with. You know, How do we as a non-interesting, healthy person uh, get a benefit from it? Yes, I, th- I think there's a, there's two responses to this uh, to this question. The, the first thing is that, and we found out the you know out of our public launch um, uh, of our blockchain back in July, if you're a healthy patient or at least a patient with a chronic disease with lots of treatment options, you're stable, you're feeling okay. Actually, you're not really interested in uh, participating in such a system because you have to be very active. You know, you have to upload your records and retrieve yep. you know kind of different data points. Uh, define your consent, you know, monitor it, you know, share it, sell it. And we found out that those patients actually, it was not a priority for good reasons. You know, you're healthy, you're stable, so why, why bother, right? Yeah, so anything, right? Yeah. That's, fine. that's fine. We want a patient to decide. Then um, the more you go into, um, you know, patients who suffer at the end of the day, so rare diseases with a lot of unmet medical needs or, um, 
or you know uh, patients who uh, who are are, are, are are very little community uh, who don't have any treatments then then the engagement is extremely high they're actually pushing very very hard you know to get such a system and one of the reasons they want such a system is just to discover clinical trials as a last resort so here you have the two end of the spectrums then between the two you know, it's going to depend on your uh, pretty much on your uh, genotype, uh, genomic profile, uh, you know, segment, you know. And if you have an interesting segment, so, for example, we're working with populations in, in Africa and, you know, the diversity of genomes in Africa is like uh, 10,000 times, you know, than any other race. So it's a fantastic. And if you're healthy, uh, you know, without cancer, young, your genotype may be extremely interesting, Right. Uh, so that's also a, a segment of population who can make a lot of money and who could be interested in participating in such a system. So it could it could be minorities as much as it could be people that are sick and people that need the money exactly. as well uh, exactly. more than you know your, your average middle class uh, healthy human who sips on their juices during the week, does yoga on Saturdays and wears lycra pants on the weekends, they're not going to find quite so much benefit from this, but there is a lot less of those than there is to the rest of the world. And that's sort of your your Correct. target is, is the rest exactly. of the world, right? These are the people who want to help, exactly. So what's the end goal? I mean, uh, what's the process? Well, why Why do this? Well, you know, I've been um, I've been in uh, corporate, uh, you know, America for for many many years, and uh, I was definitely blessed, right? Uh, had a great career, going into three continents, you know, earning a nice living and so on. Um, but you know, at some point of time, you have to give back, right? And uh, I was so far from patience, right? Mm. All the patients was the source of everything I was doing in IQV. I was very very far from all these patients. And I think uh, this is a technology that allows me and allows the team, you know, to give back and to help the people who are more in need to be helped. So that's the reason. And that keeps us, uh, you know, highly motivated to really make it happen. We owe this to, uh, to these people. And um, we're doing a pilot with a great community in cystic fibrosis, which is a terrible disease, as you know. Mm. It's called cysticfibrosis.com. And their president is Gene Barnett, uh, who's a fantastic person. A very very knowledgeable on blockchain, you know, in addition to cystic fibrosis, and I can tell you, she she refers to um, you know to cystic fibrosis as the uh, Wizard of Oz. So the first thing you get hit by this big uh, you know uh, cyclone is diagnosis, right, and you, and you end up right in this uh, <laughs> new land uh, where you're alone, you're lost, right, you don't know where to go, and you try to meet new people to help you out. And uh, and she's saying that well, you know, it's uh, you know, we don't, we haven't found the, uh, the yellow, uh, road yet. And uh, yeah, okay. the emblem is proposing, you know, is the start, you know, we're putting bricks of this yellow road and create so much hope. And I can tell you, you know, it's so moving to see these people suffering so much and ready to be highly engaged and provide our data and, and every day, you know, put in their weight or calorie information, you know, so that's a lot of work. Uh, we owe them. You know, we owe them something to help them out, and uh, and and this is the real thing at the end of the day. 
Well, Robert, I, I really uh, commend you for what you're doing and I, I really hope you have a huge amount of success. It's been interesting having a chat to you and seeing where you've come from, where you're at and where you want to go with this and the reasoning behind all of that as well. I think the stories to where you're going is really important. We all need a strong why because times do get tough. They will get tough with any business or with anything that you approach. So uh, having a strong enough why keeps you in the game. So Robert Chu, thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people find out more about yourself and what you're doing? Sure. Thank you, uh, Trader Cops. So uh, just visit us on our website, uh, www.emblema.com. And if you're interested, uh, our system is available at uh, patienttruth.emblema.com. Thank you. Thank you so much, mate. I wish you all the best of luck in the future. Take care. And uh, thanks so much again for being on the show. You're very welcome. Take care, Trader Cops. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Bye for now. The Trader Cobb Crypto Podcast is hosted by Craig Cobb. All Trader Cobb courses, products, and tools can be found at tradercobb.com because experience matters. This show is proudly sponsored by coinspot.com.au with the largest range of cryptocurrencies anywhere in the Australian market. With an updated verification process, you can now be verified using only your driver's license or passport within seconds. You can instantly deposit funds and instantly start buying and selling your favorite cryptocurrencies in under five minutes. Coinspot are giving away $10 worth of free Bitcoin for each verified user once they make their first deposit. Just go to coinspot.com.au forward slash BTC123. Views are of the advertiser, not TraderCobb or the audio presenter.